church, and you're welcome to come celebrate uh, her homegoing. Uh, and also up here with Chris and Ashley was Josiah Chin for the first time. So y'all got to meet him before we announced that he was here. Sweet little thing. All right, if you would open to Matthew chapter 28. That's where we will be spending our time this morning. Just as a, an addendum to Keith's encouragement during our time just receiving from the Lord in the midst of this week that we've experienced and some of you are still experiencing, um, this is an opportunity to not sound American in our speech, particularly with complaining and not complaining. We have much to be grateful for, and we have, uh, I think, a harvest field out there with friends, neighbors, relatives that are going to hear us and how we're processing through this week. We deserve much worse, don't we? But God is gracious to us. Uh, I was mowing the grass yesterday afternoon around 5 o'clock, and Kathy waved me down to say that the power had come back on. I rejoiced with my hands in the air like this. It was a marvelous feeling, but as I continued to mow, I thanked all the bucket truck drivers that were turning around on the street. Let's thank them when they pass. Because I could tell, these guys are from Chattanooga, Tennessee. And then I probably have people griping at them, going out there. I, I'm, I'm convinced, and I, can, I think I can tease this out at another time, that everybody who's complaining about not having electricity has problems with authority. <laughs> I, can, I can tease that out. Uh, but I could tell these guys have been complained to, and it was odd that somebody was thanking them just by the look on their faces. So let's thank them when, when they're doing their job and they're coming in away from their families and helping us out. Matthew 28, verses 16 through 20. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him. But some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Here's a, uh, for some of you, a nostalgia quiz, so others an amnesia quiz. What do these things have in common? These old TV shows, what do they have in common? The Jeffersons, Laverne and Shirley, Maud, Rhoda, Frasier, and A Different World. Spinoffs. Spin Excellent. <laughs> Spinoffs from parent shows where they took the success of that parent show, which... Uh, for the Jeffersons, George Jefferson, he was George Jefferson in? And then became all in the family. Very good. You're, you watch TV in the 70s <laughs> and early 80s. They, as you, they took the same character and developed another show around it. That's very different from what we have on TV today. TV, I think, is a bunch of copycats. Because one station, one network does a show successfully, and the next network wants to do the same thing, try to get the same audience. 
and they're just piggybacking off one another. That's copycat. Uh, but what we're talking about, and, and the image of spinoff, I think is helpful for us to consider when we're talking about church planting and what this means. In a, a church plant comes from a, a system to where, where there's, there's the presence of God, the power of God, a collection of people who have been redeemed, regenerated by the Holy Spirit, living lives for his glory together with a common purpose, all for the glory of God. And from that, is, there's a cycle that develops from that. And, and you see that with those old TV shows. There was a cycle to where the shows were happening and then they had these spinoffs and they were to where we had successful shows coming from these parent shows. And I think that gives a good image rather than a, a copycat. A church plant is not a copycat of something. A church plant comes from something that's healthy and it's planted out in order to do the same thing that the parent has been doing. For us to consider cycles, uh, we've been hearing about God, gospel, go in this series. And that isn't, that's a cycle in and of itself. God, it starts with him. It's him joining people together to himself through his son, his son's sacrifice on the cross, through redemption and forgiveness of sins. And then there's a go. And what are you doing when you're going? Well, you're just telling people about God and the gospel, empowering others to go. There's a, there's a cycle that individually we experience in the Christian life. And back last century, uh, the new, everybody's gone through the new members class in the past couple of years has seen the, the image that, uh, it's, it's a graphic design marvel, it really is, from last century, Keith came up with, in order to let us know what the cycle of the seed is supposed to look like in the life of a believer. Can we have that up there? No, that's the wrong one. Do we have the old one? No, still the wrong one. Do we have the old one? Eric, you gonna help us? We needed the old one. That was, you totally crushed all the anticipation, man. He's there, so I think he's finding it. I've got nothing else to say. Everything I'm gonna say from this comes from this graphic. All the teasing, all the ridicule, I need this. You gotta help me out, man. God's justice, bro. I prayed for power and it came on yesterday, so huh? Nice. We improved the slide, as you can see. Did you like it? Well, because I made him take it off real quick, they got nervous. Thank you. I'm all right with waiting. The rest from listening to me. No. bizarre stories when I preach of things that happen. Locusts, no, it was, it was uh, termites swarming one night at youth years ago. There it is. We had to do something with that, as you can tell. Because in the words of Pete Jefferson, uh-uh, that ain't going to work. So I had Eric uh, help me out this week. Now, 
But you can see, I mean, we have soil preparation, which is the word of God going in. There's preparation through prayer. There's preparation through finding out, getting along with, uh, along with what God is doing. And then which goes into seed sowing, uh, the sowing with the word of God, new birth, as we're celebrating with baptisms and new birth that's there, grows into stability, which in maturity leads to ministry, fruit bearing. There's a fruit bearing that remains. This is really loud. I'm nervous about speaking into the microphone. <laughs> Thank you. Um, and y'all can follow this. What we have in the middle is the ministries of the church, in essence, meeting every category that we have in the life of a believer, going to those. Can we get to the new one? We updated it a little bit, made it part of this century. looks a little better, but we can't see the water droplets behind evangelism, the ministries of the church being evangelism, prayer, Sunday celebration, what we're doing right now, discipleship through School of the Word, other categories where we come together and learn, and also the covenant groups, the small groups that we have to get in closer proximity with one another. These, in essence, water the believers and the, the cycle of the seed of a believer that goes through and to, to reach a ministry component and potential to where there's fruit going Do you want me to use this? Keep saying yes. I'm a, submit, I'm a submitted man. Check. Do we have it? Ah, there we go. All right. We have the cycle that is the life of a believer. But I think this also represents what a church is to do. When we have the ministry and the fruit that takes place, there is a component. There's a, there's a spinoff. There's a shoot. Go to the next one for me, Eric, or whoever's back there. Sorry, I'm not looking at you. Where's the church plant? Well, look what we're doing. We're doing the same cycle, the same cycle that the believers have been experiencing through the ministry that's taking place in the church to have its own identity but have its own power from the Holy Spirit going into communities to reach the lost. We want to, as individual believers, to reach a point of maturity and stability that we're looking to pass the gospel on to the people that we're in proximity to, the lost that are around us, that God has us around. And there's also, as a church, we want to do that in order to get through to reach the lost. Uh, Adding this other element of the cycle really is just kind of letting you know about it, but it, it actually has been the history of this church, the church plant. This location was a church plant, coming from originally the, the church that eventually moved here, met on Elysian Fields, then uptown on Magazine Street, and then came out here when they changed the name to Lakeview, it was Lakeview Church at that point, planting out here in the community of Lakeview. Early 80s, there was a team sent from the church into River Ridge to plant River Ridge Assembly of God. Some of you in the church went there. As a kid uh, growing up, I, we would I'd live down the street, down Jefferson Highway, they would have Friday night volleyball, and we'd go play volleyball on Friday nights at River, River Ridge Assembly. So a rich history already exists for us in this category. So we're re-implementing, so to speak, but I think more than anything, we're making ourselves aware, the Lord's making us aware of his heart and his desire for us as a church. Just as a tree needs to shed its fruit to make way for more fruit, 
think there's a component that a church needs to be planting and, and sending out in order to maintain a spiritual health and, and vibrance about what God has us doing. We have a command that Jesus gives us in this great commission. Maybe you're familiar with this. Maybe you're not. Maybe you've never considered. When you get to the end of Matthew, a lot of times you're just looking to move on to Mark, and you don't really consider what are these last verses talking about. What, what are they communicating to us? And Jesus himself is the one communicating to his disciples. And all of us who have been born again are his disciples, so ultimately he's speaking directly to us. The first thing he says is go. And it's a go under his authority. His authority, all authority has been given to him in heaven and on earth. And in that authority, he's saying to us, go. And there's a direction that he's telling us to go. But in that go, under his authority, we have to understand that church planting is not, it's not the next thing to do as a church. It's not, if you follow churchdom and Christendom at all, the word missional and the word mission gets used a lot. It might sound like, oh, it's just a new thing for a church to do. They need a church plant. No, I think what it is a recognition of what churches should have been doing and ought to be doing all along. I, I, my concern, and under Jesus' authority, please understand, Jesus is the one that opens churches. Jesus is the one that closes churches because they're his bride. And I think there's a category when churches seem dry, when... I think when they seem dry, usually you'll find that they're really not effectively reaching the lost around them. They're not seeking out the community that's around them, and it gets dry. You get used to the same people, and you're not shedding fruit. So it's actually getting diseased, and it's poisonous, and things are just falling around, and they're not edible anymore. But a healthy spiritual aspect for us is to be looking outward, to, to be looking to plant in order to reach the lost under Jesus' authority. Uh, it's not primarily to build something that hopefully God will bless. Church planting is what we believe is following God and where he's going to proclaim his son. We want to follow him where he is, go where he's going, and obey that, that leading in order to reach people with the word of his son. It's participating, Keith said this verse a little while ago, church planting is participating with God in filling the earth with the knowledge of his glory. And really, I think it's tapping into his heart. Uh, a few scriptures that we have that we can look through through uh, the law, Psalms, and the prophets, and even to the New Testament, to we can understand and get a glimpse of God's heart and his intention when he promises the first verse in Genesis chapter 12, when he promises his seed that's going to come through Abraham, he's got an intention of the distance and the scope of that. Genesis 12, 1 through 3. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. In Psalm 22, this is a psalm where uh, David, I think the Lord's given David a unique sense into what Jesus would experience on the cross for us, where he's saying, my wounds stink and fester. You can see all of my bones through my flesh. He's, he's a foretaste of what Christ would experience on the cross in our place. At the end of that psalm, he says, all the ends of the earth shall remember 
and turn to the Lord, and all the families of the nations shall worship before you. We're, we're kind of finding out God's scope is not so centralized, localized, that maybe, I think it's just a given that we exist, we get, just get more and more confined. Most of our personality is just to get more and more confined and be content with the 50 people that we know in the house that we know, and everybody hates change, so nobody wants to experience any uncomfortableness in getting to know new people, so we just kind of stay very localized. Well, tapping into God's heart, we find out this, there's the earth that he has in mind. In Isaiah 49, verse 6, God's telling Isaiah, I think ultimately what, what these are, this is right before the chapters that we have of all that the suffering servant will be and how Isaiah is kind of, again, getting, getting the heart of God in him when God's telling this. This is the very verse that Paul quotes in Acts to where he is, God says, Is it too light a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to bring back the preserved of Israel? I will make you as a light for the nations." that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. And in the New Testament, Romans 1, 16 and 17, Paul says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. What he's saying there is those close to you and into the utter parts of the earth. The Greek is encompassing a whole lot more people than a localized country per se. God is into, very interested in, and very forward in getting his name known in the nations. Particularly getting his son known in the nations. To see his son exalted in those nations so in heaven all of us will be around. Every tribe, every tongue, every nation represented worshiping the lamb on the throne. That's God's heart and he says all nations Jesus command to his disciples is to go to all peoples everywhere when he says all nations and you know that different different peoples exist in each nation we know that just from being in history class we are to be Christ's witnesses starting with where God has placed us in Acts 17 26 uh, when Paul is He's in a preaching, he says, God's the one that has determined where everybody lives. He's determined the boundaries of where everybody lives. So wherever you have a house, wherever you're working, God has determined you would be there to spread his glory through the presentation and proclamation and life of the gospel that's being seen through you in word and in deed and in joy in our faces. So where God has placed us, we're to be Christ's witnesses And then it's to expound in Acts 1.8. Jesus lets his disciples know again, look, you're going to be my witnesses first in Jerusalem, then in Judea, and then, or Samaria, then to the utter parts of the earth. There's, There's a global commission, but it starts exactly where we are. Now, I think we can participate in that globally, and we want to be strategic in how we participate in reaching nations globally. It's one of the reasons why I went to Brazil this past summer, in order to see, is there a partnership that we can have in order to reach the nations? And what they said uh, to us, uh, Amazon Outreach, who we went, who we partnered with, said, if we go to a village, they're likely not to want to even listen to us, because we're one of them. 
But when we bring a boat filled with Americans, everybody wants to know why they're here. And if you can bring these Americans who've said, my life has been changed by Jesus Christ. I have experienced redemption. I have experienced forgiveness of sins. And I would like you to tell, I'd like to tell you about it. They listen. We can partner with other people in reaching the nations. But God says to us, start where you are. Uh, we have felt, I've felt in my heart, probably for the past year, I would say, a burden for West St. Tammany Parish, which would be the, the Mandeville, Madisonville, Covington area of the North Shore right across the causeway. Just to share a little of my approach to the North Shore, I have never liked the North Shore. <laughs> Being honest with you. My, my dad lived over there in my high school and college years, and honestly, I had an attitude toward everybody who lived over there because I perceived that their attitude was a wrong attitude, so I had an attitude about their attitude. I think what helped St. Tammany Parish is when it became St. Tamanard, when a lot of people from St. Bernard Parish got up there. I honestly think it brought some culture to St. Tammany Parish, because instead of 10 out of 10 people driving their SUVs going to Starbucks, you had five. <laughs> but God began to, to work on me in a unique way. Uh, I think I was too comfortable with the North Shore, in my own assessment, my own thinking, and my own, again, sinful attitude toward it. But God began to, I, I thought going to the North Shore was not faith enough in church planting. And through the years, God has been, he's, I've, I've had kind of this little fire for church planting, and then it would go away, and then I have a little fire again, and it would go away, until the point about three years ago that I was so set and satisfied to finish out my life here at this church. Been here since I was nine years old. It's been a great church. I love this church. I have so many memories, so many stories, so many encounters with the Holy Spirit in this church that I cherish so much because it, 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 it formed me. And so many of you participated in forming me for today through your love, through your support, through your sometimes correction, you have loved me into the point where God has awakened my heart and set a flame to go reach the lost across the causeway. Now what I, I began to do uh, is think about the people who are faithful in this church that are over there. And I, I thought this, I would love to build a church with them. Because I've connected well they, through the years. Everybody over there has always teased me and saying, hey, when are you going to come over and plant a church? Hey, when are you going to come over and plant a church? And a couple years ago, Tony Costa asked me that. And I just said, he said, so are you going to plant a church on the North Shore? I said, nope. <laughs> it was just no. I kind of hesitate whenever you say no. If it's really something that God might want, it <laughs> just make you... Hey, don't be a fool and say no, because I've got something in store. But God began to awaken my heart to where I said, you know, the people there, I, I love the people who are already there that are committed. And, and those that have been a part of the church that have moved over there, I've loved them. Grown together and experienced God together here in this church. 
So that was, that was the first connecting point in my own heart to say, well, I would love to build with the people who were over there. And then I began to do some more research and just ask more questions of people that I knew over there. What I came to find out was there is an enormous harvest field across that bridge. In my, in my own calculations, this was backed up by uh, another thing. There are 235,000 people in St. Tammany Parish. Now, that includes all the way over to Slidell. I've guessed, my best guesstimates, and this is kind of a really conservative guesstimate, uh, is about 130 to 150,000 people live in West St. Tammany. There are so many new developments off of Highway 22 and Brewster Road, if you're familiar with those streets. There are so many new developments going up. People that we would say, churches that we would lock arms with, people in those churches is probably around 20,000, and that's really a good guesstimate. So let's do the math real quick. That leaves a lot of people, over 100,000 people, who are facing hell if they don't repent of their sins. Pastor Dennis Watson of Celebration Church sent out a couple weeks ago in his weekly update, this was passed along to me, this is pretty, he has a larger scope of, from a survey. This is in reference to a campus that they're opening in Slidell. He said, a recent survey of St. Tammany, Tangipahoe, and Livingston parishes discovered that there are 343,000 people in those three parishes, but only about 34,000 people in those parishes attend an evangelical Bible-teaching church on a regular basis. He goes on to say, the South Shore has a better ratio of people in church than the North Shore does. So I was thinking through the North Shore, trying to think through. I asked the question, does the North Shore need another church? Uh, I, am, I am eternally indebted to Pastor Steve Robinson, who's pastor of Church of the King on the North Shore, because I, part, I began partnering with ne in Next Generation with Pastor Steve doing evangelism. He helped form. God used him to help me form, because this, this is what would happen. I would show up at Grace King High School with Pastor Steve, and he'd come up to me and say, all right, Jeff, here's the talk for today. He'd do the same talk at all the schools that he was doing because he was doing Next Generation full-time. He said, here's the talks, and he would give me the talk, and then he'd say, okay, I think today you're ready to do it on your own. I'm, I'm leaving because I need to meet somebody for lunch. Okay. He, he did that probably a dozen times. <laughs> but you know, in that moment, I had to say, Lord, I have no idea what to say other than, all right, Pastor Steve said um, this and this and this and this. Jesus loves you. Here's your pizza. <laughs> I had no idea. It pushed me to trust God. God, what are you doing? It formed in me uh, uh, how to read the audience, how to adjust on the fly if that talk wasn't gone. There were huge things that, that the Lord used to accomplish in me. But I, I know Church of the King is doing some wonderful things. And, uh, and Glenn Langang, who used to come to church here at Northwood Church, doing some awesome things. He's growing like crazy. People that we would partner with. I'm asking the question, does the North Shore really need another church? But I was cut to the quick. Just in my own time with the Lord, when I, I just began contemplating, Lord, do we really need another church? 
and we just partnered with them a little better. And it was two things. One, it was a conversation with Danny Jones in Florida last year, and also um, just what God, I think God was adjusting my focus. He said, Jeff, you're, you're looking at the wrong thing. If you're looking at churches to plant a church, you're looking at the wrong place because your eyes need to be looking to the lost, and there's a lot of lost. There's a need for light in the midst of darkness. The need is great. And I, I'd said that to Danny Jones last year. We went to, the staff went to Florida for a meeting um, and just having lunch with Danny, just talking back and forth with what we were thinking. And Metro Life Church has planted a lot of churches. <laughs> and, and when you talk with Danny Jones, he's just got this fatherly faith that comes to you, kind of like, just try it. God's going to be there. <laughs> and so I'm telling him what I'm wrestling through and stuff. And Matt was across the table. We're talking through different stuff. And finally, he stops me. He says, Jeff, the North Shore needs the gospel. And I said, yes, it does. And I think that, that was last May. And that's when God really began to stir and awaken in me a desire to say, God, this is real. This is not some ethereal, one day maybe somebody, hopefully. God, you're calling me specifically, my own family, my kids to sacrifice, and to build with people. Last week was eye-opening, I think, for all of us when Keith asked for those who are on the North Shore are planning to be over there, and not as many as we would hope stood up. <laughs> But we've already talked about, can we dream and can we think about all that God will do with just this view? Because he can. He's mighty. And if he's, if he's awakening our hearts with it, he's going to do it. There, uh, another interesting fact I came by. I actually looked this up because a buddy of mine is with the fire department in Mandeville. And he said, Jeff, I go through. It's actually a guy that I went to Brazil with. We were talking one day on the boat. He's a paramedic with the fire department, so they're the first call. Before an ambulance is called, they go. He said, I go into these gated communities with $2 million homes, with a family who's broken because their son just overdosed on drugs. He said, and he made this statement. I went back. He's right. I went back and researched it. He is right. He said, if St. Tammany Parish doesn't have the highest suicide rate in the state, it's really close. You know what? St. Tammany Parish has the highest suicide rate in the state. Money can't buy everything. There is a tremendous need. There are sheep that are without a shepherd. And we desire to join the great shepherd in his call. In John 10, verse 16, he said, I have sheep that are not of this fold. And I will call them and they will hear my voice and they will come. And they'll be a part of my flock. We, we have a few that we're starting with, dreaming with, to participate in God's call to his sheep that will hear his voice. Uh, as a preacher, that terrifies me. I'm aware of me, I'm aware of my own weaknesses, that God would call me, in essence, to be his mouthpiece with preaching, to call the lost, is terrifying. 
but it also invigorates me to participate with God in what he's doing. That was a burden that came to me, actually went to, a couple weeks ago, went to Fountain Blue State Park, which I think might become an office to me, especially in the fall, because it's really nice out there when the weather's nice. Even with the heat of the day, the nice south breeze coming out, was out on a pier, and I kind of looked back onto the North Shore from this pier. You can look back to old Madisonville. And I just, just asking the Lord, God, increase my burden for the North Shore. And I've got all these facts, and I've got all this stuff, and, and I, know, I know in my mind all the things that need to take place. But Lord, give me your heart. And it was then that I, I just I sensed him confirm, I'm calling people, and you're going to participate in calling them, and they're going to come. That is fun to think about. And that call is to the command too. We have go, we also have make disciples. We are commissioned to call people to Jesus himself, Jesus himself, not, not to a style of church, though each church has its style. We're not calling people to a style of church. We're calling them to Jesus himself. Leon Morris helps us in his commentary on Matthew. He says this. I think we have this for the screen, yes. In this gospel, Matthew, a disciple is both a learner and a follower. A disciple takes Jesus as his teacher and learns from him. And a disciple also follows Jesus. The life of a disciple is different because he is attached, because of his attachment to Jesus. The master is not giving a command that will merely secure nominal adherence to a group, but one that will secure wholehearted commitment to a person. In the first century, a disciple did not enroll with such, a, such and such a school, but with such and such a teacher. Jesus' disciples are people for, for whom a life has been given in ransom, and who are committed to the service of the master who not only took time to teach his disciples, but who died for them and rose again. Those who are disciples of such a leader are committed disciples. And of course, this is the kind of disciple that he looks for his followers to make. That command to make disciples we find with, uh, in these verses with baptizing and then teaching is a two-form, two-pronged call to make disciples. One is through gospel proclamation, and the other is gospel transformation. If Jesus is telling his disciples, look, go baptize them, then what he's telling them is, go participate. You're going to call. The Holy Spirit's going to draw them. The Holy Spirit's going to regenerate them. Baptize those. But we want to be faithful in participating in every measure of what God does. And, and I think Jesus is letting us know, even with this baptizing them, it's not in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, not a, not a formula, but I think more of a recognition of the Trinity in saving a soul. Because God wills it, the Son purchases it, the Holy Spirit applies it, accomplishes it, we have new life. There's a call, uh, and we find the same uh, type of, of commission in Luke 24, verses 46 to 49. Uh, Jesus says, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. Here's the message Christ has died, he is risen. Now you can be redeemed and your sins can be forgiven. To call you to Christ himself to him, and it's with a power, in verse 48, um, Jesus goes on to say, you are my witnesses of these things. 
And behold, I'm sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. What's he referencing? The day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit is poured out. Boom! Dynamite is experienced in them. Boldness wells up and they speak the word of God unashamed. There's a proclamation and we want to be faithful with the proclamation of Christ and him crucified and he's risen. He's now here alive and he's redeeming people and he's forgiving sins and you can have this. But we as the team want to say we want to be filled with the Holy Spirit to accomplish that. We want the word of the gospel to go out with all boldness, with all conviction, and with signs and wonders. We want it all for the proclamation of the gospel, the proclamation of Jesus himself, that he might be, may be always exalted. There's also a gospel transformation in the teaching them to obey. Teaching them to observe is is a teaching to obey all that he commands. Jesus has been teaching them, and he's been soaking, his word has been soaking into his disciples. And now he's saying, take what's in you, go deliver it to others. Have them pay attention to the same things. Those born of God will be different due to their nature, their new nature. Old things are gone, new things have come, and are being realized with every step of faith. There's a, there's a transformation that's happening. Paul lets us know that in 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 3.18, where he says, Now we, with unveiled face, are beholding God himself, and are being transferred, uh, transformed from one degree of glory to the next. One degree of glory for the next as we team together as believers in this church. Where If the church plants somewhere else, we are teaming together saying, we will be transformed that all who look at us will see Christ. All that look at us will see him, will not be distracted by our own weaknesses, not be distracted by our own. That's why we want to flee sin so we don't have sinful patterns that get in the way of the proclamation of the gospel in our own transformed lives that become that proclamation. This is what he's calling all of us to. He wants us, we saw from the cycle of the seed, John 15, 16, he's appointed us to bear fruit, so our fruit will remain. And that fruit to be used for God's purpose and his glory. Romans 1, 16 and 17, again we read 16, but for I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. To the Jew first and also to the Greek, verse 17. For in it, in the gospel... The righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. God calls every one of us to a life of faith. Not an initial faith that is deposited in us and then we don't grow with. And God gives us unique opportunities, this week being one of them. To grow us in faith. Are we going to depend on our own resources? Are we going to depend on our own strength? Or are we going to depend upon Christ himself? Are we looking to the gospel to be renewed by it? To be reminded of it? And we're going from faith for faith. A transformation is occurring. And the life that we live is by faith. Over and over. But it's a growing faith. And with every step of that faith we see God. We're able to experience him. So, we desire to advance the gospel through Christ Community Church on the North Shore. We have a graphic for that. Our very own Eric Schmaltz helped us out. This is your redemption, Eric, because you have a cool 
a very cool logo going. Amen. That is, that's a legit website too. We bought that earlier this year. So at ChristCChurch.org was the closest thing we could come. Um, we are excited to take a step of faith. Every single one of us is called to take a step of faith in regards to Christ Community Church. And uh, it's, it's by faith that we see him that he rewards those who diligently seek him, Hebrews 11.6. So we're looking for a reward. We're, we're like Abraham who was looking for a city that had foundations, whose architect and builder was God himself. That's what we're looking for. But everybody plays a part, whether you're here, whether you're already on the North Shore. And you know, God, I think God sets things just out of our natural reach. Sometimes he sets them way out of our natural reach in order to grow us up in faith. Because if it was just right here, it's not much. We have to trust him and he will be on the spot to meet us in our need. Through this process of selling our house in River Ridge, which we amazingly had a contract on in eight days, uh, then buying was not such an easy thing <laughs> on the North Shore. But the Lord, we just asked for a testimony. We asked God, give us a testimony that we know you are in this. Even before uh, we, we put an offer on a house, uh, original house, there was another offer, it was bank-owned property, another offer. We didn't get it, so we're back to square one. We're going through this, and we're just kind of weary at this point, saying, okay, we're selling our house. There's a lot of us, and we need someplace to live. <laughs> what are we going to do? And the, the, the kids going through, the girls going through their own emotional, you know, all of us have crying moments uh, because we're, we're leaving what's comfortable. Um, my crying moment came... Driving my kids to my to my in-laws' house because we were moving out, and a couple of them said, "We're not ready. <laughs> we're not ready. We want to do one late." I mean, it was just chaotic. We're trying to get everything cleared out because we got to go to signing at four, and this is three o'clock, and and it's just and all the hustle. We get out, driving over there, tears are flowing, and I just. Lord, this is tough. And we've been, we've been talking about, we, we, a couple months ago, said, okay, as we're talking with the kids about church planning, what that means, and they've been across the longest bridge in the world, and they know it's really long, and that's way over there, and it's so far away from everything. And I said, no, trust me, you drive it a few times, it magically gets smaller. It's really weird. <laughs> it is. It's really short when you drive it a bunch. Um, just in, in <laughs> talking at, at dinner one night, I said, why are we, why are we going to plant a church? Why is the Lord calling us to plant a church on the North Shore? My seven-year-old just said, to be missionaries over there. So there you have it. Let's keep eating. <laughs> yep. That's exactly why. <laughs> she got it. And, and we know that was confirmation. And we know as the Lord is doing that, he's bringing these confirming moments. I am so thankful for Isaac two ways, not being a hurricane on Monday so I could purchase a house (laughs) 
And then for the kids not to have school the rest of the week, because put them in school for the first time ever to be missionaries. It's a big adjustment. Please pray for my kids. Pray for us as we're walking through this. We want to be in the community. We want to be meeting people. And we want to be a light in the midst of darkness everywhere we go. I'm so thankful that we had this week to where they weren't in school that we could just hang out at a house that we just got. Not have to run off into any routine. We're just there. And, and this week, the home became home to us. As, we're, as we have, as we're on, I'm thankful for generator. Man, bless God for generators that don't quit. Yes. <laughs> but as we're just, we're making memories. They'll always remember our first week in that house. <laughs> so will we. But they will really always remember it because we're, we're eating dinner. We have candlelight in the middle of the table. And then we're playing spoons afterwards. Card game of spoons. That was the thing. Okay, time for spoons. <laughs> and it was pretty dark one night. It's kind of, can't see the cards anymore. And you try to show them. For us, what, I, what I've been trying to instill in my family is that walking in the will of God is rarely, if ever, comfortable and easy. But it's good. It's good for us to walk in the will of God. Deuteronomy 32, verses 10 through 12, talk about an eagle that stirs its nest. It's where the eaglets basically fall out of the nest to learn how to fly. But with the promise that the eagle will not let that eaglet fall to the ground, but will swoop down and catch it to bring it back up to the nest. But you know what? The eagle's going to do it again. In order to demonstrate, you need to learn how to fly. I, I hope, it's my prayer, that all of us would feel a stirring of the nest in a way. To say, Lord, how are you calling me to play a part in this church plant? How are you calling me to sacrifice in whatever category, how are you calling me to obey you? John Piper in his book, Don't Waste Your Life, says, obedience is risk. I think he's right. We want to risk things. We want to take a step for the glory of God. And it's hard. It's a risk because we don't know the outcome. Only God knows the outcome. But we trust him who holds the future. Everyone plays a part. What does that mean for you? It could mean that you prayerfully consider joining us on the North Shore as part of the team to plant. That you go before the Lord and, and, and go before all the reality of what that means. Relocating. Different surroundings for everybody. Possibly moving away from family. I would hope that everyone takes up the banner and call and burden for intercession for this. There is there's spiritual warfare that will take place. We need prayer and intercession for, for the battles, for the soil preparation, for laborers. Jesus says, pray to the Lord of the harvest, harvest for laborers. There is much prayer and intercession that needs to take place. The sacrifice of giving financially toward a church plant. With, with looking for a reward that, uh, in your investment that won't come till heaven. On that side of glory. Serving. Serving with the church plant, maybe an activity that we're going to be doing on the North Shore, coming over, helping us out, serving with that. Or perhaps it's stepping up and serving in ways in this church that's vacated, a spot vacated by somebody who says, I feel God called me to go plant. Everybody plays a part. 
everybody God's calling to step up. And hopefully through all of this, I know this is going to happen, so I can say this will happen. All of us will be better ambassadors of Christ wherever we are. Where you live, on your street, in your workplace, here in this church. Being ambassadors for Christ with the ministry of reconciliation, going out, calling those, uh, to owning, owning God's call better. I think we can own his call on us. It's not just something hanging over us that we simply have to obey and it feels all drudgery. No, we own it. God, you're calling me to do this. Here's my, here's my part. God, here's how I'm going to step out in faith to participate in what you're doing. The greatest aspect of this church plant is found in the end of verse 20. And behold, I am with you always. We sang about this. How lovely. What a faithful God. To the end of the age. We are planting a church by Christ, for Christ, and with Christ. That's what we desire to do. He's with us. You know why he's with us? Because he's risen. He's no longer in the tomb. And an empty tomb means forever presence, even into eternity, so we can take steps of faith that look impossible because we know, Jesus, your promise, you're with me. You'll never leave me, never forsake me. God, you're with me. Holy Spirit, empower me to take a step. Empower me to do something else. Empower me to talk to that relative. Empower me to talk to that coworker. Let you know your heart's been burning inside every time they walk past. We want God to do that individually, but as a church as well. And there's interesting bookends in the Great Commission. We have a distance to the ends of the earth, and we also have a time to the end of the age. We're not going to have all the time in the world to get to the world. The window is open for redemption, but one day it's going to close, and God is going to say, no more people at the banquet. Oh, how we would take the opportunity now to say, Lord, I want to participate with you in, in proclaiming you and making Christ preeminent in all things so whenever people look at us, they see the gospel, they hear it, they see its power demonstrated in us because God's using it to call people to himself for his glory. Let's stand up together. Eric, if you'd come help us worship the Lord together. I want us to pray as the, the guys come over these weeks to give feet to the mission that God has burdened them to lead us in. Um, I want us to pray again. We prayed last week, but I want us to pray specifically for each of these men and the teams that are a part of what they're doing. And uh, so I want to I ask again if the guys who last week, the, the guys who were participating in the North Shore Church plant, we've got folks already over on the North Shore, if you guys would come forward join Jeff and Kathy up here and those who are uh, feeling led to participate in that plant maybe you're not on the North Shore but you're feeling like God's 
calling you to consider that. I don't want to, we're not going to make you sign on a dotted line, but maybe there's some of you that are saying, hey, you know, right now I'm just wrestling through. Maybe God's got us to be a part of that. It's not clear to me, and if I come forward right now, is my covenant group leader going to feel like I'm abandoning them and moving to the North Shore? Um, you can work all that out later. <laughs> right now what's most important is you just kind of feel that there may be some prompting from God in this, and, uh, and you just want to join us in praying about that. But here's what I want to specifically to pray. There's many aspects we're going to be sharing with you over the next several weeks. As Jeff said today, part of what we're doing here and what the other guys will be doing as well is highlighting the partnership that we have together as a church family and what God has called us to accomplish together. So this isn't, wow, Jeff, thanks for the great presentation. Hope you do great. Send us some pictures. Uh, We'll visit the webpage. Cool. Uh, no, we're going we're gonna to participate with these guys. And some of the uniqueness about planning a church within 45 minutes of us is the volume of opportunities we're going to have to participate and to help them get started in some things. And so that, as Jeff said, is going to involve a bunch of people stepping up. Uh, you know, we've... We were anticipating exporting administrative support to the church as it, as it gets itself going. We anticipate exporting funding to the church as it gets itself going. We're anticipating exporting alpha as it gets itself going. So all that stuff is going gonna, gonna to make us get a little thin over here. It's not as though we're going to take a vacation. We're going to keep doing what God's calling us to do here. And we're going to export things as well. So it's going to get busy around here. And it's going to get busy for some in ways that maybe you've not realized God's calling you to step up in some ways. So that's coming. But this morning, I don't want us to pray all about that. What I, I want us to pray for right now is, is that God would be putting together those he's gathering into this church. He'd just be awakening hearts. And I know there's some here being awakened. But, but on the North Shore, there are some folks that God wants to awaken their hearts to what he's about to do here. And, and I appreciate Jeff helping us get a little better sense, and we'll be providing some more info for you about what's, what's happening in St. Tammany, the North Shore, and that region over there that we want to be praying for them. As, you know, it's sobering to think that in America there could be so many people in America that are clueless about the gospel. Now, let, me, let me help you define my definition of clueless about the gospel. If your life doesn't sound like Matthew 28, the passages that Jeff talked to us about today, then I think you're clueless about the gospel. I think you can tell me about Jesus a little bit, historic figure, and went to the cross. I've heard about the resurrection, blah, 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 blah. But if your life doesn't look like go, then I don't think you're really as well connected to God and the gospel as you think you are. And what's sobering to see is when you visit the North Shore, there's a significant disconnect between people who say they know Christ and go. It's a significant disconnect. So whether they really know Christ or whether they're just scattered sheep who need to get a part of the gospel mission again, uh, there's an audience there. Listen to how God gathers folks. Math, uh, Acts chapter 16, verse 6, and says, And they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. 
And when they had come to Mysia, they attempted to go into Bithynia. But the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. I thank God for both leading us and restraining us. So when you get down the road a little bit, and this is a challenge to pull this off, let's remember, Holy Spirit restrains as well. So sometimes we obey God and we get into difficulty and we say, why did why didn't we do this? Hey, if the Holy Spirit had wanted to tell you no, he can tell you no too. So we step forward in faith and the Holy Spirit could tell us no if that's not what he wants us to do as well as tell us yes. Verse 8. So passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there urging him and saying, Come over to Mandeville, I'm sorry, to Macedonia (laughs) and help us, right? Before Paul knew that he was to go there, there was already a man with a heart saying, come, my heart is open, come to me, bring to me this ministry of the gospel. And so can we pray that this morning? Can we pray for men of Macedonia? Let's pray for men of Madisonville and Mandeville and all the other M's that start over there. Let's pray that God is gathering a people to himself, that we put our footprint down over there and Jeff and the team here begins to lead and reach out and connect with people and bump into conversation at Starbucks and wherever else, that there's going to be folks who bears witness. They're going to say, I've been waiting for this. And let's pray for God to do that. Father, Lord, thank you for this mission you have given to us. Thank you for the message you have given to us to take this gospel to the ends of the earth. And Lord, the ends of the earth is to those who need the message, Lord. And Lord, just across the lake, from here are people who have missed out on what the gospel meant to be in their lives. The saving message, the regenerative work, the mission, consuming their lives, making much of God with every moment of who they would be. Father, what we pray this morning, Lord, we pray that you're going to gather a church There's a bunch of things we're going to be praying about in days and weeks and months to come. But Lord, right now this morning, God, we pray that you'd begin to awaken hearts as you did in this man in Macedonia. Awaken hearts. Awaken urgency. Awaken need. Lord, awaken people. Lord, right now we pray for people that are on the North Shore that it's been a long time since they've even been in a church. God, there's some people over there that they used to be part of church, but something went wrong. Something got misdirected. Feelings got hurt. Something happened in terms of their mission. God, I pray this morning you would awaken those folks, Lord, that they would gather their hearts back around your mission. They would realize once again, I don't want to waste my life. I want to live my life for the glory of God. And Lord, if they're not part of a church in the way that you've called them to be part, Lord, that you would awaken their hearts to be a part of what you're gathering in this group right here and in others. Father, for those who don't know you, Lord, so many this morning, the the biggest thing going on in their life was to get up this morning and read the stats on the LSU game. There's a whole lot more going on in their life than that. Lord, would you let them know? Would you summon them? Would you call them? Lord, would you give them a a work in their heart that in months to come, they're going to hear 
about a church gathering. They're going to hear about an event. They're going to hear about a meeting in somebody's home. They're going to have a conversation with somebody, and it's going to, it's going to bear witness in their hearts, and they're going to want to be a part of what's going on because you're gathering a people to yourself. So, Father, this morning we stand together as your people, Lord, with our voice being heard before the throne of your grace. God, would you gather people into this church? Would you awaken people's hearts to the cause of the gospel? Would you call lost men and women and children and young people into your cause that they might live their lives for your glory, proclaim your gospel through their lives, and join together with these folks here in seeing your church advanced on the North Shore. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. Guys, thank you so much for being here this morning. I know you've got, you're eager to get back home to your unair conditioned homes and <laughs> try and see if the generator still's got gas. But we're praying for you guys. Listen, guys, if you're needing something this week, please let us know that. Whatever we can do to serve you, we'll be glad to try and do that. Hey, one announcement. Guys, I forgot to make an announcement. If you are eager to serve, so many of you serve so heroically after Katrina. If you are interested in serving uh, the, I don't remember the, I don't think I've got the name of, and I'm brain dead on names. Mark and Connie Udo are still involved in serving our community through St. Paul's Homecoming Center. Uh, is still doing work in the community. This provides more opportunities. The, the hurricane provided more opportunities. If you want to help serve in the community, there'll be some opportunities. Call us this week. Let us know. I think at 8 o'clock, there is a meeting at St. Paul's School over on Harrison Avenue this Monday, this coming Monday. Uh, they're going to be doing some work in the neighborhood. So if you're not clear on that, come find me after service. I'll be glad to point you guys towards Mark and Connie.